Hello, folks, listeners, viewers. This is Apple Treats, and uh, our topic for today is server-side Swift. So we welcomed Tim to to our podcast. We asked him to join, and he uh, gladly agreed. <laughs> uh, hello, Tim. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us. So. Uh, first, can you give us some insights of our organization and tell what is server-side uh, working group? Cool. So the <clears throat> SSWG, or the, the Swift Server Working Group, is basically a committee or steering group that's designed to further the interests of Swift on the server um, amongst the Swift language. So we have um, members on the board, on, on the working group from Vapor, from Amazon, from MongoDB, from Apple, um, and I'm probably forgetting someone, but I think that's it, um, <clears throat> who uh, basically meet um, every two weeks and we discuss what is going on with server-side Swift and what the gaps are and how we can best fill them. Um, so that might be direct community effort into things like tooling. It might be that we um, submit proposals to the Swift team to improve Swift on the server, um, like improving uh, Linux support, or um, it could be that we want a new feature in Swift Package Manager. So we'll write a proposal and submit that or prod the right people. Um, and if necessary, kind of adding bits of work as, as and when we need them. So uh, things that have come out of the SSWG include um, the async HTTP client, which is a um, network client designed for making requests purely for server-side Swift um, and kind of anything around that. So if it's something in the to improve the interests of Swift on the server, um, the SSWG will try and push it. Mm -hmm. so, uh, you mentioned uh, you have guys from Apple uh, in this group. And is it uh, their personal initiative or like, uh, like official uh, guys from Apple? Um, I... I don't want to speak on behalf of them, but I think it's officially they are from Apple. So they represent the mm -hmm. interests of Apple and Apple using Swift on the server. Um, we also have Tom from the Swift core team, who's there representing the Swift core team in case we need to talk to someone about language stuff or um, try and improve the language. Um, so yeah, there are a number of companies there working to improve the interests of Swift on the server. Okay. You, you mentioned Vapor, so we know you're uh, on the Vapor core team. Mm -hmm. So What's the purpose of Vapor? What what problem does it solve? <clears throat> so Vapor is a uh, web framework, essentially uh, written Swift. So it's similar to Laravel or um, uh, Ruby on Rails or um, kind of Django and Python. Um, and it provides a nice API for end users to write server applications in Swift. <clears throat> so you don't need Vapor. You could write directly on top of Swift Neo. Um, but then you'd find that you need to implement a lot of kind of relatively low-level stuff yourself. Um, so Vapor provides a fairly opinionated way on how to build um, server apps. Um, so if you want to build a an API, um, you can use Vapor. If you want to build a web app um, that generates HTML, you can use Vapor. Um, or you can even use it to build command line apps and scripts, which is something I do a fair bit as well. And uh, so it's now it's a mature uh project right so it's uh like version four yeah so vapor four came out uh just over a year ago now so i think about 14 months ago or so um it's vapor was originally started in february 2016 i want to say i think it's 2016 um so yeah we're like five and a bit years now um and yeah we're kind of reaching a a 
better, stabler, kind of mature standard now. Um, and certainly in the early days when things were moving quick, um, things changed quite a lot. Um, and they had to, as we kind of learned the language, um, learned the boundaries of Swift and then uh, adopted things like Swift Neo and um, all the Swift server packages. Um, but these days, yeah, things are a little more stable and um, production ready, in quotes, um, <laughs> without kind of wanting to say that too much. We, we, we will cover that a little bit later. So. <laughs> Cool. And uh, can you compare Vapor to a similar solutions uh, uh, frameworks in Swift? So, yeah, so there are um, a number of other Swift web frameworks. Um, so I mentioned Swift Neo. Swift Neo is a very low-level um, framework. It's not really designed as a web framework. It's more designed as like a low-level um, I.O. framework. Um, but there are a few other Swift server frameworks that sit on top of it. Um, so another one is Smoke from Amazon. Um, so Amazon Prime Video use this to power a number of different services uh, within Prime Video. Um, there's also another one called Hummingbird, um, written by a guy called Alan Fowler, who also um, manages the um, third-party AWS SDK. Um, and there are a few others popping up around now as well. So um, now that Async Await is kind of starting to land, there seems to be, be a bit more interest in server-side Swift, and we're seeing a few other frameworks pop up, which is really cool to see. Um, so yeah, it's great that the more the merrier, Frank. Do, do just uh, out of curiosity, I mean, like a couple of years ago, it was like Vapor and Kitura. Mm -hmm. Now the Kitura is uh, out of business, let's say, let's put it that way. Or does it still like uh, being developed when IBM dropped the uh, support? So yeah, so Kitura is still going last time I checked. Um, so it's been picked up by a few of the community members and they're basically keeping the maintenance up and keeping it alive. Um, I haven't looked into it uh, recently, but um, last time I checked, yeah, there are still a few uh, core maintainers trying to keep it going. Um, and I hope it goes well. I really hope they um, we have another big framework because it is fairly widely used, Kutura. Um, it's All the different frameworks have their own kind of um, paradigms and ways of doing things. Um, so they are slightly opinionated in one way and other ways. Um, so Vapor, for instance, is very much... Uh, opinionating how you should write your your code and also it provides everything that you could need um, for the most part to build your applications. Something like um, Hummingbird is very lightweight um, and it only provides the things that you need and you have to put in any extras that you might need um, instead of them being provided for you. Um, but the, the way you write your code is fairly similar to Vapor. Um, and then something like Swift is very, very different. It has its own kind of ways of doing things. Um, so a lot of it is really just personal preference. Basically try them out and see which which one you like. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, what, from your point of view, is more like successful? Uh, Kotlin server side or Swift server side? Kotlin is pretty popular becomes in the Java community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, basically Kotlin and Swift are both fairly modern, fairly new languages um, that are designed to solve a number of um, common user errors. So things like optionals are a feature in both Kotlin and, and Swift. Um, Kotlin, I don't have the authority to speak on Kotlin on the server too much um, because I've never really used it and I'm not really part of that ecosystem. However, I will say that um, from my understanding, it's not as popular as server-side Swift if you're doing pure Kotlin. So Kotlin's great because you can use write Kotlin and you can interrupt with a JVM and Java 
frameworks. Mm -hmm. So you can write Kotlin and use Spring Boot and you can use all the existing Java ecosystem, which is fantastic because it means that you have a ecosystem there ready to go, um, all the packages that you might want, um, which is something that Swift has, have, has had to solve on its own. Um, so for instance, the community have had to write their own AWS SDK. Uh, they've had to write their own MySQL drivers, and My, um, Postgres, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Kotlin can just use the Java ones. The flip side of that, of course, is that um, if you're writing a Kotlin server-side app, you generally have to use Java somewhere, um, even if it's some of your dependencies, which means that then you need to have to have a JVM, which means that then you have to have a lot of memory. Um, so one of the benefits of things like Swift is that you can write very lightweight um, performance small uh, apps that have a very small memory footprint. So um, that means that you don't need that much memory or you can put more um, containers on the same host, for instance. Whereas if you have to use the JVM, then you're going to need you know hundreds or gigabytes of memory for your individual apps. Whereas Swift can be run in kind of tens of megabytes. Um, so there's, that's, that's your trade-off with using Kotlin on the server side. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is the state of uh, this coverage for uh, different uh, database connectors and uh, so uh, when I for example just want to do some basic uh, web application and don't know little storage mm -hmm. uh, little supermarket I don't know what uh, what is uh, my choice uh, have I uh, do, do I have some choice here yes yeah, so um, vapor itself provides uh, database drivers for SQLite uh, Postgres, MySQL, um, there's a, a community uh, driver for MongoDB. Um, there's also a, a driver for DynamoDB from AWS. Um, there's also Redis uh, community driver as well. Um, so I'd say that most um, kind of bases are covered, certainly for uh, newer applications. So if you're writing an application from scratch, you're generally going to pick um, something like Postgres or MongoDB or um, DynamoDB, and maybe use Redis as a, a backing uh, cache or something like that. Um, if you have a legacy application that connects to something like Oracle, um, yeah, you might have to either wrap a C driver yourself or write something yourself. Um, so the kind of the ecosystem in server side Swift is much much improved compared to a few years ago. Um, I'd say mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. for ninety nine percent of people, um, you will have to write very little. Uh, kind of database drivers or SDKs for talking to Twilio or SendGrid or AWS or Google Cloud. And they, they're all there and they all exist. Um, but the 1% might find that they have to um, write something or interact with an API manual. Um, but yeah, it's growing and continues growing day by day. So you're, that, that uh, brings my next question here. If I to try Vapor somewhere, Mm -hmm. What would be my uh, go-to choice to like try it? I mean, what's the environment? Um, AWS or um, I don't know, maybe Azure or. Mm -hmm. So um, for just trying it locally, you can run and build it on a Mac, um, and then you can use Xcode yeah. and you can develop there. For deployment options, um, you have you can use Heroku. Uh, Heroku is really good for kind of trying things out, getting started really quickly. You don't have to worry about provisioning servers or setting up DNS or anything like that. It just it will do everything for you um, with a single kind of line of commands that you run. And um, there's a Vapor community build pack um, that will build a Swift app for you and basically build your Vapor app. So you can just use that. Um, if you want to something that's a bit more uh, controllable and customizable, um, 
you can run it anywhere. So Vapor can run on Linux, which means it can run in Docker. Uh, so if you can run Docker, which pretty much anywhere you can these days, so if it's AWS or if that's Google Cloud, or if that's Azure or DigitalOcean, um, yeah, you can run it pretty much wherever you want. Um, and even if you don't have access to a Docker hosting environment, uh, as long as you can run a Ubuntu server, um, you'll be fine. So these days, the options are pretty limitless, uh, frankly. I, I run a lot of stuff on ECS, which is Amazon's container or orchestration service. Um, kind of lots and lots of apps on there. Um, but then there's people who use Heroku because it's really good to get going. Um, so yeah, you can choose, pick and choose what you want. Okay. Um, one of them, the question would be, if we are to develop for Vapor, then like we, we can run uh, like locally or yeah, uh, Heroku or, but what tools to to choose if we are to develop. So probably Xcode won't work or will it? So my my development environment, um, so I um, do server-side Swift all day, every day. Um, I haven't touched iOS professionally in about three, two, three years now. Um, so I write server-side Swift day in, day out. Uh, my workflow generally is I write my stuff in Xcode. Um, so I build my apps on Xcode on macOS. Um, I test them locally using um, either XCTest and Xcode or run them locally and then hit them with a REST client um, or the web browser. And then when I'm happy with kind of them running locally, I'll push them to um, Git and then CI runs them on Linux and then they get deployed automatically. And in the last year and a half, I don't think I've ever had a problem with code that runs on macOS that doesn't run on Linux. Um, now there are a few caveats around that in that I have a bit more experience in that I know th things that I need to check um, and um, things that won't work automatically. So I know that I can't use UIKit or I can't use uh, Core Image, for instance. Um, but yeah, so as long as you kind of stick to foundation, for the most part, you won't really have a problem. Um, and if you run your test on Linux, of course, then you'll catch your problems early before you ship your... Um, do you know mm, anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, I I just was to, uh, wanted to ask to how you debug. Do do, do some options to debug. <laughs> um, so debugging is the same as a macOS or iOS app. Um, I set breakpoints mm -hmm. in Xcode. Um, I can use LLDB and print them out, um, and um, it works the same as any other app. So you can inspect uh, like the request body, you can inspect the headers, um, you can step through into functions and you can print out your responses and uh, inspect them all fine. Um, so that's how I debug. In, you, you mentioned that the Xcode works okay for like last year probably. Do you see that uh, some of the issues which were with like debugging Vapor or like even uh, uh, creating Vapor apps in, in Xcode were fixed specifically or it's just like Xcode getting better? I think it's it's predominantly Xcode getting better. Um, I think, um, so Vapor has always been a framework that tends to push Swift to its limits. Um, so we've always have a habit of breaking the compiler. Certainly in the early betas, we like to try and push the compiler as much as possible, whether that's using property wrappers or generics or um, kind of anything like that. Um, and certainly before Swift UI um, came out, uh, things could get quite difficult to debug. You get like weird error messages, um, like the expression is too complex to um, compile, um, or this is ambiguous kind of thing. Since you, uh, Swift UI has been released, there's obviously been a lot of effort put into Xcode 
uh, and into LLDB and the Swift compiler um, to ensure the error messages are a lot better, to ensure things that work, to ensure things that are heavily nested work. And that will benefit Swift on the server because um, currently things generally tend to be fairly heavily nested because of futures. Uh, we tend to use property wrappers a lot. Uh, we tend to use a lot of generics because of futures again. Um, but yeah, so things are definitely getting better and that's because of the compiler rather than um, anything specific for server-side Swift. And... Uh... Speaking again for for the development tools, for those who are, who would prefer development uh, development under Linux, mm -hmm. do you have any recommended setup there or? Yeah, so um, I actually did an experiment uh, the week before WWDC this year, um, where I um, shot Xcode uh, and wrote my daily job uh, stuff in uh, Visual Studio Code for a week. Um, so one of the goals of the SSWG this year is to improve the tooling uh, around for the whole ecosystem. So that means improving the tooling for people who use Linux, for the people who don't have macOS, for people who are building on Windows. Um, and so I wanted to kind of see just how it is because it's been several years since um, I've looked into it. And um, so I tried using Visual Studio Code exclusively for a week. And it was actually pretty good. Um, so things like SourceKit and LLDB will work pretty well. Um, so you can, once you've set up your environment, um, we have some docs on the SSWG guides uh, for setting up Visual Studio Code and, and a development environment, although the docs definitely need some improvements. Um, you'll find that code completion works, you'll find that building works, you'll find that debugging works. You can just set breakpoints in Visual Studio Code and it all kind of works. Uh, the one area that I did have problems with was around testing. Um, so I could run my tests from the command line very easily. Um, I could run my tests from an action to trigger the command line very easily, but trying to use the integrated test explorer, um, I couldn't get that to work. So that's something that we'll be looking at this year to improve that. But yeah, if you don't have macOS or you wanna try something else, definitely try Visual Studio Code or Atom or uh, Sublime Text, basically anything that can uh, integrate with SourceKit. Um, you'll find, or the SourceKit LSP, you'll find that code completion works, LLDB works, uh, and it's actually pretty good. Um, what, what I'm here, I mean, like it's <laughs> it's something like making me like be warm from inside, like everything works, something like, and when the SourceKit LSP was announced, it was like kind of like, wow, something is in early stages. And now you, you, you're basically saying that you can do the whole process on Linux using uh, like non-Apple non operating system with mm -hmm. the Apple's language and like non-Apple's IDE and everything works like, wow. <laughs> yeah, That's... I mean, it's not perfect. There's definitely a few like uh, rough edges. Um, I definitely had to restart Visual Studio Code a few times throughout the week. Um, but yeah, like I was surprised at how well it did work and how well source completion worked, uh, code completion worked. So, I mean, I, as far as I understand, Xcode uses SourceKit as well. It doesn't use the SourceKit LSP, but it uses yeah. SourceKit, um, which means that you'll get the same kind of SourceKit build on your Visual Studio Code if you're running on Linux or anything, um, and we'll be able to make it. So yeah, it's, it's, it shouldn't be that surprising, I guess, but it is kind of quite <laughs> nice that uh, it did work and it was as good as it it was um and hopefully over the next kind of six months um towards throughout the rest of the year as uh the community pushed more tooling and more better in tooling and the sswg find better areas that we can Im improve the tooling and we'll just see that get better and better I i'd love to find that the best environment for developing on uh, developing swift is the environment that you want rather than just xcode 
I think that'd be a really good goal for us to have. Right. Well, we will have a question on t- on the Swift uh, uh, features a little bit later. But before that, uh, you mentioned we, we we were talking about the AWS and mm-hmm. um, support for Swift there. I have a um, couple of questions here, mostly because I s- I hear a lot on uh, able, uh, AWS as a like kind of go to source if you want to have uh, like serverless or like something uh, your server running on entirely on the AWS platform so AWS lambda now has support for swift it it's kind of like they don't don't mention that on the website but it it does have support for swift and it seems to be working but mm-hmm. Can you do everything in Swift there? I mean, like AWS has like DynamoDB or like Aurora or I don't know, uh, notification service like SNS mm-hmm. or something. Does it have all the proper integrations there? Can I do everything with Swift or I will need to like do some, um, a lot of uh, manual <coughs> calling of web services or something? So, so yeah, so um, Swift is supported on AWS Lambda. There is a Swift server AWS Lambda runtime. Um, and it's important to kind of separate that out from kind of interacting with the rest of AWS. They, they are different, separate things. So um, Lambda is a, a version of compute. Um, so um, you can run your request handlers in Lambda um, or kind of any kind of event-based um, code. So I use AWS Lambda for some uh, professional data, like in-production stuff. Um, I tend to use it for event-based processing. So, for instance, it could be um, managing a S3 no- upload notification. So a user uploads a big file to uh, S3, um, and then we do some kind of transcoding on the file um, using a Lambda in Swift, and that all works. Um, in terms of calling other AWS services, uh, there is an awesome third-party SDK called Soto um, that is... Uh, automatically generated using template, templates and it's based off the Go SDK. Uh, so it supports every single AWS service out there. So um, I, so one of my main projects, we have about 15 microservices all written in Swift, a few AWS Lambdas, and the AWS services that we talk to from Swift include S3, SNS, SES, uh, Route 53, um, trying to think what else we talked to like we talked to like several different uh, event bridge um dynamo db um rds um so yeah it's it's very easy and you can run all that in lambda as well um so talking to anything in abs is is easy and doable uh so your every answer is very inspirational everything works everything's perfect everything is covered so do you have something in the roadmap or something to improve so um so yeah like Generally speaking, things are very, very good for the state of server-side Swift. Um, I'm obviously very biased, uh, but as someone who uses it day in, day out, I've I've kind of found it to be really, really good, really, really stable. Uh, there's a few things that we'd love to be uh, improved overall, but like generally things are very good. In terms of the coming roadmap, um, async await is obviously the, the big one. Um, so async await will be landing in Swift 5.5 in hope, like some point this year, um, hopefully September time. And that will be a big paradigm change for the language itself. Um, it will affect a lot of people writing iOS code, but it will affect people writing server code dramatically. Um, on iOS, you might be making a few network requests. Um, 
you might have a like making requests to get a list or making requests to get a, a an image and those will be asynchronous on the server everything is asynchronous um so dealing with third party apis dealing with databases they're all asynchronous so um certainly if you write vapor you'll find that you have to learn to handle futures correctly uh, and it can be a bit of a learning curve um so when async await lands in swift 5.5 uh, vapor will support async await um, we will support it in Vapor 4, hopefully, as long as nothing changes uh, going forward. Um, there's already a branch of Vapor that you can try out the async await integrations. Um, and this will mean that instead of having like the, the pyramid of doom with all your different futures, um, you can just write uh, await on your um, asynchronous function calls and you'll flatten all your code. And that will be a big change for everyone on the server. Um, it will make life a lot easier writing code. It will make things like looping through an asynchronous function really easy, um, rather than having to write recursive functions. It will make some code possible that was really very difficult to write before. Um, so I'm really looking forward to async await and how that's gonna affect the server ecosystem. Um, we don't know the like, um, I think we'll, we'll be talking about vapor 5 uh in a bit um but yeah so the plan is that vapor 4 will support async await um and you should just be able to gradually migrate your code over and it should be lovely you basically answered one of our questions <laughs> <laughs> in advance but still um if you look into swift and uh, there are plans for the uh swift 6 or like we probably you you also look into other languages what kind of language feature you would like to see which might benefit server-side Swift or specifically Vapor uh, the most? Um, so aside from async await, um, there are a few other concurrency pieces that um, have been spoken about that would be great to see. Um, one was distributed actors. Um, so instead of uh, having an actor that works in a single application, you can have an actor that works across applications. That could be really cool for writing um, like distributed uh, Swift applications where you have um, like say 10 different microservices and trying to manage like data concurrency that way. Um, things like existential generics would be really cool to see. Um, that would be a, um, we definitely hit some issues with uh, in Vapor uh, with generics because we can't handle existentials. Um, so being able to have say multiple typed parameters of the same type um, or unlimited multiple type parameters that would be really powerful and make your code a lot nicer so that'd be one thing i really like to see um and then yeah in terms of other language features um better tooling uh swift package manager supports so things like the uh, extensible build tools uh, proposal that was i think has just been accepted um that will be really cool because it will allow you to integrate swift package manager with say things like uh, front-end build commands like gulp and sas um and also being able to wrap scripts in the package manager so you can do things like spinning up uh, integration test servers or integration databases before you run swift test things like that would be really cool okay um now now we need to go back to like the men your mention of the production production readiness of paper <laughs> so we we kind of investigated and we saw that in uh 2019 you mentioned that uh vapor is ready for the production, and uh, you also provided the examples. So, mm -hmm. like, during these years, what happened with the, with the Vapor and the new, maybe you can name something which uses Vapor in the production, something, like, which we might be interested to see? Um, so, yeah, so naming production apps is always fun because trying to get companies to come forward and say they're using it is quite difficult. <laughs> um, well, yeah, 
So um, in terms of Swift on the server, um, I'll take a step back first and talk about yeah. server-side Swift okay. in general. Um, so I mentioned that uh, Amazon have their own Swift framework. Um, they use it for Prime Video. Um, so if you've watched something uh, on Prime Video, then uh, you've used server-side Swift, which is pretty cool. Um, so, uh, Apple have come out and said that if you use iCloud, then you're running through server-side Swift, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, I'd love to get more details on that, but uh, we shall see. Uh, and then in terms of Vapor, um, there are like several companies out there um, using it. So uh, the Swift Package Index, um, which is an awesome kind of community um, yeah. website for discovering Swift packages, uh, where you can go onto the, the website, type in image processing or Alamo Fire or something, it will find all the packages, Swift packages that work. That's written in Vapor. Um, all the kind of, um, it's open source as well, so you can go and browse the code. Um, all the kind of build jobs are kicked off with Vapor, I believe. So that's a very big project using Vapor. Um, my main project at the moment is working for a um, startup in the US um, called MyWebAll, and they sell effectively Shopify, but for grocery stores. Um, so it allows grocery stores to sign up. Um, we ingest their inventory, and they get given a website and iOS app built uh, on the fly for them. Um, that So I was looking at the stats the other day, and we are up to about 15 microservices on the back end. Uh, it's about 150,000 lines of Swift code. Um, <clears throat> we can process hundreds of thousands of transactions a day um, without really breaking a sweat. Um, almost all of our microservices are running on the smallest instance, Fargate instance that we can, um, because they use such little memory and uh, processing power. Um, if we had smaller instances, we would use them. Uh, so that's another example. Um, one of the, there's a number of sponsors of Vapor that use it in production, obviously. There's um, a company called Transio. Uh, they're a US education-based company. Um, Nodes are a big agency based in Copenhagen in Europe. Um, they have a number of large uh, clients, um, which you can probably find out on the website. And a lot of their backend stuff is written in Vapor. Um, Try, trying to think who else. Uh, Spotify recently came out with uh, some of their uh, iOS build tools. Some of the stuff they use for managing iOS builds um, and doing testing, I believe. I can't quite remember the, the exact specifics, but they did a blog post about it um, three or four months ago. Um, they're using Vapor. Um, the BBC, because I used to work for them, some of their internal testing stuff is running Vapor because I made them use it. Um, I'm trying to think of other companies. Uh, but yeah, oh. I mean, there, there are quite a few big companies yeah. out there using it. Uh, John that, Lewis, uh, who are a big retailer in, in the UK. Um, some of their iOS stuff is using it. Um, uh, I'll, some others will come to me. There's, there's, every so often there's a discussion on Twitter about it, and some people will pop up and say that they're using it, which is really cool. That's, that's, mm. But hopefully that kind of puts the production question to, to rest. So a few very high-loaded applications. Uh, it uh, sounds uh, very like... Uh, Again, inspirational to move forward to another project and to try it. And uh, what can you recommend for developers who want to start to develop uh, Vape or just server side on Swift? Uh, in terms how of how to like, start better, how to, how to find. Um, so I would definitely recommend. Uh, my personal preference would be choose two or three of the web the Swift web frameworks and write a very simple hello world app in them. Um, all of them should have re relatively good docs and just find out which kind of style you like um, and which kind of community you like. Um, the Vapor documentation is much better than it was before and is growing 
like week by week um we're getting lots of community contributions to the docs now which is really cool to see um there's uh raywendlick.com has a an entire server-side swift pillar um which full disclosure i i run i manage um but there are lots of free tutorials and posts on there um using everything from uh, doing two-factor authentication in Vapor uh, with uh, like Authy and Google Authenticator um, to interacting with push notifications to uh, writing your first CRUD app that saves stuff to a database. Um, there's plenty of kind of free posts on there to check out. That's a good, good thing. We also have a post on Smoke on there as well, Amazon's framework, and lots of Swift Neo posts. Um, so yeah, I think those are like a good, good place to start to try and find out. Um, I should probably try and plug my book as well, I guess. Um, sure. <laughs> so there's the raywindlit.com server-side swift with vapor book uh, which was written by me and a couple of the other vapor core team members um, which is a it's an enormous book now it's um, 34 35 chapters i think and it covers everything from very simple hello world uh, and teaches you through taking that up to kind of building a um, app that consists of a number of microservices um, using Redis and MySQL and Postgres. So there's plenty of stuff out there and the kind of knowledge base is growing. Um, also, you should check definitely check out the uh, Swift server workgroup guides. Uh, so that's github.com slash Swift dash server. Um, there's a, a guides repo on there and that's growing, getting better every day. Uh, and if you think that something's mission, missing, just raise an issue and um, we'll try and get something written about uh, do you have image already for book coverage? <laughs> do I have what? Sorry for the book coverage. Yeah, uh, uh, image. Uh, I can find like a image. picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can find like the front cover or something. Actually, I'll just get it from the bookshelf. Oh, <laughs> so that yeah. there is the um, book. Wow, it's, it's a pretty thick book. Um, that's the second edition. The third edition has just gone to print. Um, but it's available on raywindlick.com as a digital download. And if you buy the digital copy, you get free updates for life. So it might be better. We, we will add the link to the show description for sure. And uh, well, one question is not on the server uh, side Swift or uh, Vapor. So like, what do you do apart from making Swift available everywhere? <laughs> um, What's your hobbies? Oh, my hobbies personally. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In, in outside of actually writing Swift, which takes up a significant chunk of my life, um, I have a number of pets uh, that keep me very busy. So I have a dog who probably will wander in and out of the stream if you haven't seen him already, uh, and two cats. Uh, they keep me busy. Um, I like making pizza um, and fresh sourdough pizza from scratch. Um, so I've got a sourdough starter that's like a year and a half old now, um, and I generally tend to make pizzas every week. Um, using a pizza oven that's really cool uh, and i spend a lot of time in the garden um so we have we built over lockdown uh <clears throat> this year and towards the end of last year we built a very large greenhouse um so i put some pictures on twitter of that and then we have a um kind of vegetable patch in the garden that we grow a load of our own food uh and i like to build lego as well so i'm currently building <laughs> the uh ucs millennium falcon which is that one that, that one that's there. a big one yeah <laughs> seven and a half thousand pieces um, so I built it before once and then the cat climbed over it and broke it several times. So I've had to rebuild it. Uh, and I'm just getting into 3d printing as well. So, um, that, that keeps me busy. Right. Wow. That's, that's an amazing set of hobbies. I would say like, yeah, it's a wide ranging set of hobbies. Yeah. 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 Not just Swift on, uh, on the servers. Right. Okay. Um, 
We have one question actually, and uh, I would like to ask uh, this question to you. So, how do you think? Uh, can async await replace all the reactive libraries out there? Um, so, I don't think so completely. Um, what I suspect is that um, async await will replace a significant portions of things like combine and um, any of the other um, kind of reactive libraries out there. Um, I can't remember what they're called, uh, like React Swift and stuff like that, I think. Um, but I, I, th I don't think they will replace all of the um, kind of code in, in there. So things like combine have got concepts of like back pressure and um, doing that with async awaits uh, isn't completely possible from my understanding when I've looked into it. So what I suspect will happen is that things like combine and all the other libraries um, will um, end up kind of porting a lot of their paradigms over to using async await, and then they'll be used for their specific reactive um, kind of coding. So um, things like binding and SwiftUI, um, yeah, that's not going to, you still need to be able to write reactive code. Whether it uses futures or whether it uses async await is entirely like, it doesn't really matter, frankly. Um, you still need to write reactive programming. Uh, in terms of the server-side world, um, I, I think uh, async await will fully replace the event loop feature um, from Swift Neo. Um, and a lot of code will move over to that. But Swift Neo obviously is not going anywhere because Swift Neo does a lot more than just uh, providing a futures library. Um, so I suspect that the, the future-based stuff of Swift Neo will eventually disappear. That will, it will take time. Um, It'll be the next kind of major version of Swift Neo whenever that comes out, whether that's this year, next year, or the year after, who knows. Um, and then Swift Neo will concentrate on being a really good performance, low-level I.O. library. Okay, that's it from our questions and from the questions of our audience. And uh, with that, we would like to thank you for coming. That was an interesting discussion and uh, <laughs> quite inspirational, I would say. So um, having those docs and like the book you mentioned probably it's maybe it's time to start looking into server-side swift specifically knowing that uh like some of the server-side swift examples include uh, like uh, prime video and uh, other big services like iCloud. that's probably a good thing to to try something there again knowing that swift doesn't go come with the gvm or like something big uh, and it should be faster and more resource uh friendly i would say for the server environment thank you and uh, i wish luck to vapor and we will see uh, how it will adopt the async await and uh, we will probably ask you to come again later on with maybe more questions on how swift does in on the servers and uh, we'll see maybe in next year there will be more big names there and uh, some more interesting stuff to talk i hope so yeah thank you very much thank and you for all for providing yeah. uh, such a con concentrated information in a short time. <laughs> yeah, we were Sorry. able to fit within the, our like uh, estimated uh, duration. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> so much information for for the show, so, so small amount of time. And yeah, for all our listeners and viewers, we will come back with uh, our episode in two weeks. And uh, as of now, listen, share, subscribe, tell your friends or uh, like tell everybody else about our podcast. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks for having me, everyone. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>